whistleblower report exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report. This is Dr. Lee for America. And I wanted to do a special program today focusing on perspectives on Israel and the current war in the Middle East from perspectives that perhaps many Americans are not told or don't understand, particularly many Christians may not understand some of the dynamics of what's actually going on in the Middle East and what some of the issues are and how this is different in many, many fundamental ways from the war in Ukraine or the war that we've fought before in Iraq and Afghanistan, the war against the global elites that are trying to control all of us. There are some aspects to the conflict in the Middle East that are fundamentally different. And it is urgent that Americans understand this. And as a Christian and as someone, while I have traveled all over the world, and I have actually spent time in communist countries in the decade of the 1970s in Eastern Europe and in the Soviet Union, and I have experienced that oppression and tyranny. There is a lot to the situation in the Middle East that I don't understand, and it's difficult to get straight answers because people become quickly so polarized and vehement on their point of view that they often don't listen to each other. And my guest today is Rachel Lipsky, who who is Jewish and who speaks as someone who understands Judaism, who understands the reality on the ground in Israel she it was born as an Israeli and became a legal U.S. citizen years later and has some very interesting perspectives and family background that give her a unique combination of understandings that we all need to better have clear in our minds if we are going to stand against the evil that we see unleashed in the world today. Rachel, thank you for joining us today. And my, my sincere gratitude that you are willing to talk about these, these difficult topics with all of us today. 
Thank you so much, Dr. Vliet. I appreciate you and respect you highly, and uh, I'm humbled to be on this program and to share whatever it is that I think is important to uh, to share with people of you know that may not understand what's really going on there. So, well, tell tell us a little bit about your background and what happened to in your own family in World War II. Okay, so I was born in Israel, but my parents are Holocaust survivors, both of them. Uh, separately, both of them were in Auschwitz, but my mother was in three other camps. She ended up being liberated, actually, ironically, by the British in Bergen-Belsen, but then she was uh, also uh, thrown into a camp in Cyprus, in Israel, by the British. So it's kind of strange in that way. But uh, she uh, she was uh, saved by a righteous, gentle woman in Auschwitz uh, because she was very, very young. And the reason why she survived, actually, it's a miracle, is because uh, when she arrived finally to Auschwitz, and that's another story, uh, she was taken to the left to go to the gas. And her aunt, who was on the right side, told her, jump with me, jump to me. And she jumped. She just jumped. And... God wanted her to, to be here, so she survived, but she was 13 years old when she jumped to the right. Uh, and, uh, and then she was in, in Auschwitz for three or four months, but Dr. Mengele came to the camp and he was looking for his uh, prey. And the, the, the righteous uh, woman, Edith, her name was, she told her, stay in the block. I will tell him that there are two people who are cleaning in the block. And she, he somehow he missed her, but the woman, Edith, decided that my mother is not going to survive if she continues to be there. So she made sure that she leaves Auschwitz and she ended up in two labor camps, one in uh, Gelsenkirchen, while the allies, allies bombed and another one in Aachen, uh, while the Allies bombed. And then they marched in, the, the death march into Bergen-Belsen. And uh, she was there a few months, and she almost died. There are, there are lots of unbelievable stories that happened to her. But anyway, see, she almost died. And she, was, she had uh, two uh, types of uh, typhus and tuberculosis and scarlet fever. And she was taken to a hospital in Germany. And then from there, uh, she lost conscious. But then she woke up. And then she was taken to Sweden and she they were wonderful to her in Sweden and they kind of rehabilitated her and others, the orphans who were left. And then after, I think, three years, uh, two and a half of three years in Sweden, she was given a choice. You can go anywhere you want because she already had relatives in the United States and she could go to Canada, she could go to Australia, she could go to South America. And she said, no, I want to go to my homeland. And that's that's natural for her. She wanted to go to Israel. And she wanted to be among her own people in the land of Israel. She did not know globalism. She didn't know the, the CFR. She didn't know the, the, the Rockefeller. She didn't know any of that. All she knew is that Israel is the land of the Jewish people. And she arrived to the land. And unfortunately, the British kicked her out to Cyprus. And in Cyprus, uh, she was there for three or four months. It was very, very difficult. Very difficult. It was a return, another camp. And then she finally got a certificate. She arrived to Israel. She was sent to a kibbutz to learn how to use a gun. She was given after three weeks of training in Yiddish, not in Hebrew. She didn't know Hebrew at the time. 
and she was given a gun and she was sent to the front to near Jerusalem to fight in Jerusalem and in the north uh, I'm sorry in the south near uh, Egypt and uh, she met my father who also survived Auschwitz uh, she met him in Israel as two soldiers uh, who fought in the in the uh, independence war and they got married and here I am to tell you the story <laughs> That is truly a miracle. You you are so right. And she is 93 years old. She's 93 years old, still still living, hardly living, but she's living. But I have to say, she has been sick since I sick since I was a child. But the way I see it now is that she will she has not been uh cared properly because of the drugs 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 so, so she always was sick and then she got many strokes and many heart attacks and this and that and she's still alive but she's she's not doing very well but she's still alive and unfortunately what's important to, to stress here and this is a woman that had been through every single every single war in israel and every single arab jihadist attack in israel since since the Nazi camps. Well, you know, I think most Americans really don't understand some of the differences in the mindset of the Islamic jihadists compared to other military campaigns and wars that we are familiar with. Correct. Very what, what is What are some of the points that you have made in writing to a number of commentators who seem to really not understand that what the difference is and what we're up against in dealing with the terrorist. Yes. Uh, the, 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 the huge difference is Islam is really a political ideology. And that is what people, but is difficult for people to understand. I am not talking about Muslims now. I'm talking about Islam as a political ideology. And the, the tenets of it is that, is that Allah sent Muhammad with the true religion to rule over all other religions. That is, that's the tenet of Islam. So Islam, a concept of peace is when we are all submitted under Islam. There is no such a thing as peace between a Christian and Muslim as equal partners, unless you are a dhimmi, unless you are a second-class citizen or a Jew, you cannot have equal setting with a, a Muslim unless you are a dhimmi or you are you convert or you are dead. These are the three choices you are given. And this is the, 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 the problem that people do not understand. It doesn't exist in any other culture, society, religion, nothing. It's just unique to Islam. Um, I, you know, I wouldn't go into the history of it because the history has to do with what Muhammad did and Muhammad was the perfect man. So they emulate what he did. And what he did is, is, uh, <laughs> is submit the, the, the tribe, the, the Jewish tribes. And uh, then he was not able to, to, to take over in in um, Mecca, so he went to Medina and he slaughtered them and he took over and that was the beginning of of what we call now Islam. So this is it. This is the foundation. Unless one understands, this comes from the very tenet of the of Islam that 
Islams is now in the what they call the house of harb of the house of war until they reach the house of peace and the house of peace is when Islam rules over all others and all others are submissive to it this is the political ideology and with it comes Sharia law and Sharia law is brutal and then I'm not saying that all Muslim leaders are upholding this type of ideology. I don't think that. But I'm saying is that those who do are very dangerous. And the Muslim Brotherhood, which was founded in 1928 by a man called Hassan al-Banna, is, its decree, is, its foundation, is that they are going to, to, to rule all of over all others because uh, because jihad is their way uh, and uh, I have to say that one of the leaders at the time in the 30s and the 30s and the 40s was the Mufti of Jerusalem this is very important part of the history that everybody that most people don't know the Mufti of Jerusalem of Jerusalem was a man who befriended Hitler and Hitler brought him to Germany, to Berlin, and he, uh, uh, um, he had him start a radio, uh, radio uh, a show to, uh, to announce to the entire Arab world. Uh, and he actually is the one who came up with the idea of the final solution, not Hitler. And uh, he helped Hitler. There were Muslim divisions that were fighting in the war as well. I do not recall if it was five or eight Muslim divisions. I do not remember. Uh, and so here you go. And this was Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, um, and uh, his name was, by the way, his name was Haj Amin al-Husseini, the, the Mufti of Jerusalem, Haj Amin al-Husseini. And he was a friend of Hitler. And if people go on the Google, they can find him, uh, you know, meeting and there are lots of pictures. And there is a book about, written about and documentaries written about this uh, relationship between uh, the Muslims at the time and, and, and Nazis. And by the way, um, Sharia, According to Bill Warner, who I follow closely, one of the Muslim Islamic scholars, Sharia has in it more Jew-hating phrases than the uh, than Hitler's um, uh, what's the name of the book that he wrote? Uh, Hitler's book against the Jews, no, the one that everybody reads now. Mein Kampf. Yeah, Mein Kampf. Yes. So more phrases. Jew-hating phrases in Sharia than in Sharia in Hadith than in Mein Kampf. Yes, and by the way, uh, Israeli soldiers now found under a bed in the Shiva hospital they found Mein Kampf underneath the the, the blankets of the patients still. So um, there is no difference in the goal of Islam to eradicate us never was and never will be. Now again, it is not to say that all Muslims are like that, by all means not, and probably not many Muslim leaders are like that, I'm sure not, and I don't know if it's because they don't believe in it or they just want to stay in power and they know that the Muslim Brotherhoods are not their friends. And by the way, and this is why they wanted them out, and this is why Egypt does not want to accept uh, Hamas, because Hamas is the branch, military branch of the Muslim Brotherhood. 
So no Arab country wants them there. Why? Why? They are Muslims too. And uh, so, you know, there are, there are lots of issues that are not uh, familiar to one who, and I don't blame anybody, I'm just saying, this is a fact. Um, so so in, in order for people to understand what we are up against, they need to understand the, the ideology of Islam and they need to understand the, the, the credo of the Muslim Brotherhood and they need to understand the history of the Muslim Brotherhood they need to understand Hajamin uh, al-Husseini, the Mufti of Jerusalem relationship with Islam. And here is another thing they need to understand. 800, about 800,000 Jews were kicked out of Arab lands during the 30s and the 40s, and not only kicked out by pogroms, by murders, by uh, confiscating the properties. I have my cousin is married to an Iraqi Jew they were very well off until they had to leave because they were, they were, they were, they, they tried to massacre them. There is a very famous safe, uh, a mass pogrom that happened in 1930 uh, something. It's called Farhud. Uh, there is a book about it. Uh, Jews in Iraq were murdered, were slaughtered. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And when Jews were in Israel, when came from Eastern Europe and started to come from Eastern Europe, what, what happened? I mean, the, this was a bared land. It was nothing there. And Arabs came for to gain economic, uh, economic uh, privileges. And uh, what, what happened is they started to massacre Jews too. As well, and there was it wasn't Israel yet, and it wasn't anything. It was the land that they tried to 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 culture to to make something out of it. So the history goes since Islam's inception. Uh, I can go on to the what is called the Golden Age. That's about another story that is very very much uh, misrepresented uh, about the Golden Age and how Jews lived in peace uh, in, under Islam. That's not true either, but. Partly it's true, but it's not really true, but I won't get into that. So when people are lumping up like Stu Peters and like Mike Adams, everything and try, you know, and, and Mike Adams calls for peace, 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 peace. How can you make peace with Nazis? How can you do that? I mean, what these people did in, in October 7th is unimaginable. I don't even want to, 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 to repeat what they did. People can go and find for themselves. It's horrendously, I don't know how to call it, the most brutal, the most heinous, the most cruel that anybody can imagine. And and they do, by the way, every day I call, I read about what they have are doing right now to the hostages right there. So you cannot call for peace because I, you know, because if something like that happened to you, you wouldn't want peace. You would want to eradicate these people who did it to you, to your family, to your land, to your, to your livelihood. Well, we you, you have an advantage that many Americans obviously don't have because you can listen to the Israeli broadcast and intelligence experts in your own language. Correct. And you can hear what they are actually talking about what is really happening on the ground in Israel and the the brutal 
treatment and attacks on the civilians. I mean, even to the extent that that I was able to track some of what was going on, this is really beyond comprehension of most people with a Western mindset. The brutality is not something that Americans have seen in our country. Now, we may be seeing more of it under the lawlessness and the anarchy that has been unleashed on us in the last several years, particularly under the Biden administration. But America has been very blessed that we have not generally seen that degree of barbaric acts. Now, some of that was happening on the Arizona border under the Obama administration when there were so many Middle Eastern terrorists collaborating with the Mexican drug cartels. And I was writing a lot about that at the time from the standpoint of the changing patterns of crime and the diseases coming across the border. So so we have seen some of that, but it never really made the news. And most Americans are not familiar with, have not experienced this kind of barbaric uh, atrocities against civilians. And that's something that you are seeing and hearing about from people in your own homeland, in your own language. Yes, very much so. Um, You know, I must admit that I'm very disappointed with the the high-level ranking intelligence and some military who were warned very clearly about the plan. They were warned already in 2019, I believe. No, I'm sorry. They were warned from 2019, but they were given the plan. There was the plan was written and given to the, some of these people, and they just chose to dismiss it, to totally dismiss it, to ignore it, and even to humiliate. There were certain people. I, I just listened today. There were certain individuals, like field observers, but high-level field observers who gave them the mapping, the name, actually, the, the Hamas called it the, the, called it the, the, um, the uh, what, fighters of Jericho or something about Jericho, I uh, forgot. Uh, anyway. So in, intelligence officials with the IDF were given the plan or warned of it ahead of time. Yes, they were. I mean, I'm not talking to you about many people, but few people, the head, the head of the military intelligence were given that, and the head of the Gaza, uh, the Gaza military uh, commander were given was given that, uh, at least these two that I know of, and they just dismissed it. And here is, and I think the question to ask is why? Why did they dismiss it? And the answer is because for years. Since the Arik Sharon withdraw from 2005 from the Gaza uh, settlements, because you know that there were flourishing Jewish Gaza settlements there that were given to them with everything. All they needed to do is to take that and to make it into something into paradise. Okay, the minute they were so they they kicked our own Jewish people out of this whole area 
which was a horrible, by the way, event in, in our Israeli history too, which I don't want to get into it. And they just wanted them to take it and to, uh, to, to build it and so that we will have peace with them. And for, of, of course, it was a huge mistake. And I was against it, I remember. And I, okay, I was very much against it. And I was right. Because the minute they were given this, this area, they made it into terror camps. That's what they did. They burned all the, 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 all the land, the agricultural land. They burned synagogues. They burned everything that they were given just to create jihad, to create terror. And so since then, since then, and maybe later, the, these Israeli leaders decided that Hamas are more moderate than, there is another group there, it's called the Islamic Jihad, okay? So there are, there are fractions, but they are all the same. So Islamic Jihad, we're sending missiles, so it's Islamic Jihad, it's not Hamas. Or this other group send missiles, rockets, so it's that group and not Hamas. It was Hamas. Hamas was behind it. Hamas is in control. Uh, so so uh, they were, they just did not listen and did not care. And the question is why? Again, because they were complicit and they were totally in this, they embraced an illusion. They embraced a delusional arrogance uh, that everything that Hamas is not as bad. That's what they wanted to believe in. Of course, we know it's very, very bad, and they will pay dearly for what they for what they did. I believe. I want to believe uh, strongly. Now, some people say that Netanyahu knew about it and gave uh, um, gave an order to stand down. I do not believe it yet. I know that some people that some people that I that I followed said it. I still do not believe it. It could be true, but I doubt that it's true. And I'm not saying that he's not, ultimately he is responsible to do because he's the head. But I'm saying that I don't think that he knew. I don't, I think that they, that was another, another aspect to it. This high echelon intelligence and the, 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 the people that I mentioned to you, intelligence, uh, security services, the highest, the military highest, they are all very secular Jews. They are not religious Jews. And these secular Jews have nothing to do with, with religion, with, let alone with, with relationship with Christian evangelicals. So to say that it's to, 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 uh, to exacerbate the, the dream of evangelical, it's so ludicrous. It's so ridiculous. It, it, it cannot be farther from the truth. And this is why I, I, I reacted to, to this uh, person who wrote it, because it's totally... Not true. Uh, so I don't know. What many Americans don't realize is that just as in the United States, Israel is permeated by leftists and Marxists exactly. who exactly. are against Christians and Jews, particularly exactly. white conservative Christians and religious Jews. So there is religious persecution by secular leftist Marxist Jews in Israel that are aligned with the leftist Marxist camp internationally and what is happening in the United States. And we see their persecution of Christians and Jews and 
Catholics and white conservatives in particular right here in the U.S. So I, I think it's important that people understand that just because someone lives in Israel does not mean that they are either religious or conservative or share our values of freedom and individual liberty as we know our creator has given all of us. I cannot agree more. This is absolutely brilliantly stated. It's exactly what it is. The left, as some friends say, <laughs> there is nothing worse. No, uh, no left in any country is worse than the Israeli left. <laughs> That's what they said. Well, and actually, Rachel, <laughs> with, without casting any aspersions, um, that has been something I have never understood. And in talking, I have many Jewish friends here in, in the United States. I have never understood how they could continue to support such leftist agendas and presidents of in the United States who never supported Israel. I mean, look at Jimmy Carter and, and Bill Clinton. And you look at Obama and Biden. And yet I... I've looked at the analytics of the 2008 election and something like 90% of American Jews voted for Obama when it seemed pretty obvious to me that he was very supportive of Muslims in 2008. He was claiming to be a Christian at that time, which I doubted, but nevertheless, um, it was clear that he really wasn't a friend of Israel or Jews or Christians, white Christians in general. And so, and yet 90% of American Jews voted him in office twice. Uh, you know, it's a million dollar question that we are dwelling on and talking about forever. I have my thoughts about it. It's right away, it's 80%. <laughs> That's what they say. It's 80% of the Jews. And uh, what can I say? It's very sad. Uh, I have uh, been, I have some friends like that. I mean, I I stay away from mostly from, from these types of people anymore, but I still have some friends that consider themselves liberals. They don't understand. It all comes from lack of faith. This is my opinion. Lack of faith. They have no connection to the, to, to, to theology. They don't understand the theology. They don't understand Judaism. And they, they made, they, they go to these uh, temples and the temples, they teach them uh, everything but, and they, they and I, I cannot, I, I can, I know I have various reasons why it's, the, it's so. Some of it has to do with them as I said, lacking a faith in God. The other aspect of it is many of these Jews, their parents come from communist countries and they were upholding communism. And they came, you know, the, the first, the early uh, immigrants to Israel from Eastern Europe in the late 1980s, and I'm sorry, 1800s uh, and early 1900s, uh, they came from from uh, socialist systems, 
and they endorsed it and they brought it. This is how the kibbutzim in Israel started. Uh, and I lived in a kibbutz for two years in a kibbutz like that. So I, I know that aspect too. Uh, and that's how they grew up. It's different now, by the way. Majority of Israelis are on the right and conservatives. I can tell you that. The well, that, that Israelis, that's very encouraging, but I, I still don't see that transition here in the United States. I think it uh, will start. I think it will start. I really believe that it will start now because the harsh reality will teach them a lesson. That's the only Well, lesson. that's true. Well, let's take a break and we'll talk more about some of the other aspects of all of this right after the break. This is Dr. Lee for America with the Whistleblower Report from Truth for Health Foundation. Check out our website at www.truthforhealth.org where we have lots of resources to improve your health and resilience, including your financial health. So look at our new sections on our website, financial health, emergency preparedness, vaccine injury resources, and our Faith Over Fear current series on innovative treatments for cancers and the turbo cancers that your doctor doesn't tell you. And don't forget to check out our store for our professional grade, innovative nutraceuticals to help you improve your health and resilience. We'll be right back after the break. Check out the new Truth For Health store at truthforhealthstore.com. We have exclusive professional formulas with exciting new products, including True Mitochondrial Boost that can help improve your energy, memory, focus, and concentration. All of our products are manufactured in certified compliant facility using good manufacturing practices approved and inspected by the FDA. Check us out, www.truthforhealthstore.com. Rachel? Yes. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report, Perspectives on Israel that most Americans don't hear. This is Dr. Lee for America with my guest, Rachel Lipsky, who was born in Israel of parents who were Holocaust survivors, a miracle in, it, in itself that they survived those horrors and the devastating uh, conditions of the concentration camps and made it to Israel. So Rachel was born in Israel and now has become a formal U.S. citizen and has spent a lot of years studying the situation both from the American perspective and from the Israeli perspective. You know, Rachel, there's another dimension of, of I think, that so many Americans just don't understand the the Arab leaders that of Hamas and others, I mean, I watched over my lifetime Asser Arafat 
constantly turn down um, efforts at peace and just would renege on agreements that were made when Jimmy Carter tried to um, carry out the Camp David Accords. It was just one thing after another. It's like Arafat seemed to make a living and create his wealth by pretending to be interested in peace and then sabotaging it at the last minute. And I've seen a lot of that. And I I think we see some of that today as well. Tell us more about some of the background of what really goes on in the Middle East. Do the Arab countries support their own people in terms of helping the refugees from Gaza? No. (laughs) No, if there is a support, it's minimal. Uh, There is one country in in the, in the Middle East called Qatar. And Qatar is basically a Muslim Brotherhood uh, a country led by Muslim Brotherhood operatives. So the Qatar people, uh, a leadership is supporting the leaders of Hamas. So the leaders of Hamas are sitting in luxury hotels in Qatar. And they, they each one of them is worth billions of dollars. Now, where is that billions of dollars coming from? United States taxpayers. Uh, so they are paying for that, and they don't really um, stay there in 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 Gaza itself, and they uh, they don't care. They don't care about the Hamas leaders. Don't care about their people. That's number one. The Arab countries don't care about the Palestinians. That's number two. They never do. They never do. They don't like them, and they don't care for them. So, um, and Israel, on the other hand. You know that there have been 10 to 20,000 Gazans that used to come until October 7th every day to Israel to work in the kibbutzim, the same kibbutzim that they, that they attacked now, that they invaded and attacked brutally. The same kibbutzim. And many of these people, workers, that came to this kibbutzim were some of them, many of them actually, were part of those who... Uh, infiltrated and attacked uh, the Jews, the same Jews that that they used to work and benefit from. And in fact, they provided those who who planned the massacre, they provided them with information on the families, the names, who lives in what house, who who has weapons in their house, every little detail they knew about, about from these workers who came. Now, why did these workers come? Because Israel is so brutal? No, they wanted to help them. This is the problem. In Islam, when you show goodness, they interpret it as weakness. Again, I'm saying it, it's very important to understand. This is one thing that Mike Adams does not understand. In Islam, if you show goodness, they interpret it as weakness. And you pay for it. You pay for it. Now, it's very difficult because in our mindset, we want to be good. We want to do good. We want to be charitable. We want to do all of these things. But who are we doing doing it for? Whom are we doing it for? And that's one aspect that people don't understand. And um, another aspect of it is that when Israel, Israel always tells Gazans when before they bomb, which is very unique to Israeli military, leave and they tell them they they send them uh, pamphlets and they call them on microphones 
and they tell them exactly where they are going to bomb and they tell them go leave and they tell them where to go so many of them did try to go in fact i listened to a conversation uh, between a uh, gazan and the israeli uh, mil intelligence military intelligence in a gazan guy told him you know because there was, there was inter interpretation and he told him and we are trying to leave he said where are you going he said and we are going to the south he said so what's the problem he said the hamas uh, soldiers don't allow us to leave so what do they do? They shoot at us or they force us to go back to our homes. Why? Because they use them as human shields. This is another thing that, that people don't understand. They use their own people as human shields in order to harm us so that they will become the victims and we will become the perpetrators, the, the bad guys. And the world, unfortunately, buys it many times in most cases. And so it surprised me when... Christian conservatives don't get it. That surprised me very much. And really, this is what I responded to. And uh, um, I don't know what else to say, but that's, ah, yes. Yeah, there was one time when uh, recently it, uh, Hamas terrorists attacked IDF soldiers who were perpetrating a humanitarian corridor into North Gaza. So they were trying to help. So Hamas attacked them. And that happens many times, by the way. When we show the, 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 the generosity and the goodness, they take an advantage of it. And that's what it is. Well, and you know, we saw that with the attacks on the U.S. military in Iraq and Afghanistan. Exactly. When, when the soldiers would be trying to help the civilians and would be attacked as the Israeli soldiers work trying to carry out the humanitarian opening into Gaza to help the Gazan people. It, it is, this is the mindset of the terrorist who will use women and children, schools and hospitals as shields, knowing that our rules of engagement in the U.S. military, and I'm sure the Israeli military and yes. British military yes. as well has been to avoid hitting hospitals and schools and trying to avoid collateral damage among innocent civilians. Yeah. And terrorists use that against yeah. us. You know, uh, it's exactly the truth. There was just a few days ago, uh, the, the military uh, commander of, the, of Gaza gave an order, and he's another one that needs to be fired, and worse than that. Uh, the soldiers came into this Gazan areas and they put a Star of Davis, David or some some Israeli uh, Jewish prayer or something. And the, 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 the head commander ordered them to go into all these places that they painted Star of Davis and uh, to, to erase it. So number one, it's dangerous to do that because they are exposing themselves to the enemy. And number two, why? They feel sorry for them. They don't want to insult them. This is the mindset of the Israeli, uh, the Israeli mindset. This is the, the Israeli mindset. And on the other hand, you are dealing with, with savages, barbarians. What do you do? What do you do? It's so difficult to 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 to. I I know what to do. They need to know force, and they need to know that we are not going to capitulate to them. That's what needs to be done. But when you have people like uh, Mike Adams who tell them that they want, uh, you know, that we are brutal because 
it's very difficult. It's a very difficult dilemma. That's what I can say. I, it, it's, I don't know what is the end. We need Messiah. That's what we need. <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's, it's a very big problem. Very, very big problem. Well, and I, I think until we can wrap our mind around the fact that this is an entirely different alien mindset to the Judeo-Christian values and to our normal military rules of engagement. This is asymmetric warfare. This is psychological warfare. And I have, have watched this over my adult life with the Marxist, liberals, and Islamic terrorists all working together to exploit guilt and exploit the generosity of Americans and, and Israelis and Western people in general. Yes. And to turn our rule of law against us. Exactly. Exactly. And we're seeing that coming across the Arizona border now. We're seeing the abuse of American taxpayers and a lawless government that is allowing the influx of military-age males from countries over 160 different countries yes. that are people who do not share. They're not coming here to work. They're not coming here for a better life. They're not coming here, as one woman stupidly said recently, they're not coming here because of climate change. <laughs> They're coming here to continue to attack and weaken America. Exactly. 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 You don't you don't have fifteen thousand illegals crossing into Pima County, Arizona every day without cooperation from the US government. Exactly. And you don't have fifteen thousand military age males coming into Arizona and dispersing, being dispersed by our government across the country, coming here for peaceful purposes, in my opinion. Absolutely. I mean, as far as the, the Arab Muslim uh, population that, uh, uh, that migrates here, that's another form of jihad, and that jihad is now taking place uh, on full scale in Europe, and that's called uh, the Hijra. The Hijra is another aspect of jihad. It's jihad by migration, coming in, taking over, imposing Sharia law, and making everybody under them. This is what's going on as far as the Muslim. I'm not talking about the Chinese and the South Americans. I'm talking about purely the, the Muslims now. And they, so they, you know, the terror will, who knows what will happen, but... Uh, the terror is only one aspect, but the, the imposition of Sharia law is very, very scary and very worrisome because when that, it takes place because we are losing our freedom of speech and that's part of Sharia law. We are not allowed to say anything. And that will be much more uh, exacerbated in the, in the next years if, if, if something doesn't change for the better. Well, we are, we're slowly seeing people wake up to the enormity of the assault on our freedom. But the, the freedom of speech is very much under attack 
And freedom of worship is under attack. Our freedom to spend our own money as we wish is coming under attack with the central bank digital currency push. I think people need to realize that once you have digital ID, central bank digital currency, and mandatory vaccinations for all of these experimental vaccines. And I am very concerned about the fact that Netanyahu immediately agreed and did a deal with Pfizer to vaccinate the Jewish people because yeah. that yeah. that we knew the dangers at the time that he did that. And I, I really was just appalled. But when yeah. all of that is tied together, we will all find ourselves in a digital prison and we will find our country invaded by, at that, by early next year, we will have several million illegal, mostly military age males dispersed across the United States. Looking at the numbers, those that got away, one intelligence analyst made the point that 1.5 million illegals over the last year and a half got away. We don't know where they went. That's the equivalent of 30,000 people per state and all 50 states. And then we have the ones coming in that we know where they are. And the recent informants from the Department of Homeland Security that have been whistleblowers and given us information indicate that it's 15,000 military, mostly military age males coming across into Pima County, Arizona, facilitated by Pima County officials and the sheriff on a daily basis. So you do the math, 15,000 a day, you can very quickly overrun the population of legal Americans. And that's that's exactly what what is happening in in Europe. I have to tell you that about ten years, eight years ago, no, ten years ago, I visited relatives in Paris, and the husband of one of the relatives is a, a chief editor of French one or something or French two, don't remember. And he told me ten years ago. He said you will see that in five or ten years, this is Paris now, France. In five or ten years, there will be civil war here in France. And you know what? It's starting. It's starting there. It's starting in Ireland now is the, the attack. It's starting in, in it's all over, in Germany. In Germany as well. Yes, and in Britain, in England. So what is happening there is going to happen here because this uh, regime, this current regime in the United States, allows it to happen. They are doing the bidding of the of the globalists, and it's a mess. It's a mess. It's a it's a huge, 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 huge mess. Uh, and I, as far as I'm concerned, this is another thing that those who are criticizing Israel they don't understand that Israel really is the, in the forefront uh, of all of that, and they better support it because if they don't, they will get what they ask for. That's all I can say. It's, it's well, Israel is in the them. forefront of standing against the the 
extreme terrorists that seek to destroy all of us and have all of us submit to their will and Sharia law and their control. So that's, that is the perspective that I, I wanted to have you present to the American people as, as a woman born in Israel who understands the political aspects of what's really going on there and how we are being manipulated in a psychological warfare and lied to about the enormity of the stakes in this war right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh... Well, Rachel, thank you for your courage in continuing to write about all of this and to speak about it. If do you have a website or a Substack where you publish a lot of your commentary? I, I do not. No, I. You know, I'm. I don't know. I'm in the field of uh, holistic health. Actually, I'm not in that field at all. But I. Are we on open microphone now? Yes, we're we're just wrapping up the show. Okay, so no, I'm not. I'm a yoga teacher. I'm a massage therapist, and I'm functional nutritionist. I did teach Hebrew at the university for twenty three years, University of Buffalo, and uh, I'm a formal, formerly I'm a classical musician. Also, I have my artist diploma. Oh, um, how how fascinating! Yeah. Well, I I am grateful that you took the time. You have such clarity in your writing and if you would like to do an open letter to the american people based on what you had written to some of the uh, media personalities i'd love to include that in the column for our show which does go on substack and i'd like for people to have a chance to read that you know, it's up to you. If you want, you can take this letter and, and publish it if you want to. It's I, I don't have any objection to that. And or if well, you, I can change it a little bit and make it not non-personal too. It's up, up to you up to you. Well, that's that's good. We will include your writings in the in the show notes. So thank you for being with us today. I really appreciate it. And May God bless you and continue to courageously speak the truth. Thank you very much, Dr. Vliet. Thank you. I want to thank everyone for being with us today on the Whistleblower Report. This is Dr. Lee for America. Tune in each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for another edition of the Whistleblower Report from Truth for Health Foundation. And don't forget to check out our website, www.truth forhealth.org. Sign up for our email alerts with our upcoming programs. We currently have a series on innovative treatments for cancer, and we are have just completed the Truth Project. The archives are on our website. And don't forget to check out our store for our exciting new nutraceuticals and vitamins and minerals that are formulated to the highest quality standards and manufactured in a certified good manufacturing practices compliant facility right here in the United States. We are proud to bring these products to you 
for your health. And each one has a detailed product data sheet that will tell you all about the ingredients, the scientific studies, and what the FDA has approved for the indications for which these nutraceuticals can be helpful to your health. So join us and be part of the solution to bring truth, hope, and help for such a time as this.